Good afternoon, David Peterson. Hello, Dave. How are you? You couldn't be any better on oh, a day like today, amazing? could you? And good afternoon, everyone. Fantastic today. It is. And look it's... at this bold little <laughs> gift you've brought in here. Look, it's standing up very proud, this, and, but it feels like paper, this It flower. does. What yes. is it? It's a most unusual plant. It's actually one of my most favourite plants in the nursery. It's actually a perennial status. Uh, you can actually dry the flowers by when they're, when they're sort of at this stage where they've got the most beautiful blooms of purple and they've got a tinge of white through them as well. So you can actually cut these stems off. They've got really, really long stems. You can actually hang them up upside down and dry them and they will actually dry that colour, Dave. So then you've got them as a just an arrangement you can use inside. The plant itself, look, it's a great plant. It takes all sorts of conditions, even to the fact where you can put it into the garden and neglect it. And I really do mean oh. neglect it because it will actually survive in, uh, in very, very poorish conditions. It only grows to approximately oh I'd say not even about a half a metre in height foliage wise and then of course you get these flowers coming out of the top of it very very stiff leaf as you can probably feel Dave yeah. um, so it's a very very hardy plant so that's the plant I'm giving away today as well as that I'm giving away a bottle of the harvest now this is the complete fertiliser or soluble fertiliser that you can dilute down with water and water everything in your garden including the grass if you're cruelly keen and as well as that a container of the aqua magic now these are the re-wetting granules and believe it or not with the weather we're getting at the moment, Dave, will probably still need them, mm. even though we're creeping into the autumn winter months. So. It's very odd weather, isn't it? But we Whoa. like it. We like oh, it. Oh, yeah. yeah well, of course, we do like it. Confusing for our plants <laughs> and our garden. Isn't well, everything's still growing. Yeah. I mean, even though the ground temperature probably is cooling down, all of the growth is still growing. So, I mean, the grasses slow down, as you probably noticed, but everything else is still growing quite happily in these conditions. Now, how is your garden going? Give us a call. We want to hear from you. The phone lines are there right now. Four nine two one six two one six. If you'd like to give us a call, and you can have a chat to David, we're here right through until one thirty today with gardening talk back on two and your FM one hundred three point seven. I've got a little punnet with two cabbage, two cauliflower, and two broccoli in it. Mm-hmm. Is there an environmental spray that I can, you know, or something that I can spray them with them? Like you know, um, I don't want to. You know, muck around with things that could poison the yeah. Yep. <laughs> okay. place. Well, but is there something that I can get? Well, there certainly is. Look, certainly we can suggest pyrethrin because pyrethrin is generally a natural spray which you can spray okay. on them. Now, unfortunately, being a natural spray, it only has a withholding period of a day. So therefore, you've just got to keep an eye on your cabbages and cauliflowers and perhaps when the caterpillars do hatch, that's when you spray the pyrethrin because otherwise you'd be spraying for nothing, wasting your spray, so you're better off to leave it. Now I have heard, I don't know whether this is true, sometimes if you use talcum powder on your cabbages and cauliflowers and you sprinkle that on the leaves, being white... Apparently, the butterflies do not like the white talcum powder, so you may like to try that. Now, a good little trick is, of course, with anything that you sprinkle on as far as a powder goes, wet the the foliage first, let it dry slightly, and then sprinkle your talcum powder on. And that way, it'll actually stick to the leaf a little better than just putting it onto a dry surface. Okay, well, if you find out a better bloke who gets belted on the nose while he's white and using talcum powder, it'll be me. All right, okay, I'll be listening, I'll be listening. <laughs> Thank you for that, Wall, that's good. Let's go to Killaban Bay. Hello, Marcia. Yes, hello there. What an absolutely glorious Isn't day. Isn't it beautiful? It's just yes, wonderful to be outside. Forward. Yes, it is. Um, David, I have um, a fig tree, which is three to four years old, and mm. it fruited very well this year. I'm feeling the urge to prune. Can I prune it now? 
Well, look, I would certainly wait until all the foliage has fallen off through the winter months. I know we get, tend to get a bit itchy feet with pruning when it gets to this stage where things start to look a little bit untidy. But certainly wait until the leaves have all gone, and that way the plant is asleep for its winter months, and that way you can prune more successfully. All right. Would the same apply to ornamental grape? The colour is beautiful, of course. I don't yes. want to cut that off, but... Same thing, wait till all the leaves have gone and can prune it. That's right, that's right. Once it's completely bare of all its foliage, that's the time to prune it back. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, that's lovely. The colours are so beautiful. Oh, and it's a wonder. It's a wonder with these warm conditions that we're getting that it is actually colouring because normally we require those really cold conditions, but still remembering that our, our nighttime temperatures are getting down reasonably low anyway, so perhaps that's what's, what's making them go, the colours. I think a lot of the plants got very confused with the, <laughs> with the weather a few months Well, we're, we're very confused. Yeah, not just the plants, us. We're confused. Yes, yes. Yes, I'm happy there's no daylight saving, though. Well, that's right. I've got a month of garden, uh, an hour of gardening in the morning. <laughs> All right, thanks, Marcia. Okay, thank you, David. Bye-bye. Bye. And we've got waiting for us patiently at Fletcher Candice. Hello, Candice. Hello, how are you going, David? Good, thank you. That's good. I've, I've got an inquiry about a, a sort of ficus. Mm-hmm. It's a hedging variety of ficus. Um, and on the on the label that I saw, it said that it grows to three metres in height. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm curious about, it didn't say anything about the roots or how vigorous they were. Are you able to tell me whether it's well, first of all, yeah, I mean, look, I'm a little bit um, confused about a ficus being used as a hedge. So yes. have, you, have you got a name there for me that you can... It was, it was called a figo, F-I-G-O was the variety. And like I said, it didn't say anything about yeah. the roots or how okay. vigorous it was. And I thought, mm. All right. Okay, well, now that I know the, the, the full name, yes, it is still a problem with root system. I certainly okay. would be very, very careful in using it as a hedge. Uh, certainly, if you're, if you're on property, yes, go ahead and plant it. But if you're in a normal suburban area, I'd yep. be very dubious about planting it as a hedge because being a ficus, it still yep. will have a fairly ferocious root system. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank bye you bye. Very much. Thank okay, you, Candice. And just as Candice did, give us a call. Yes, our phone number is 49216216. We're here right through until 1.30 with Gardening Talk Back, 22 past 12. It is gardening talk back today, 49216216. We're trying to have uh, fun and be cool about this, but the phones have gone crazy, haven't they, David? They, they have, yes. We don't yes. know what lines, what lines. So I'm going to try this, and this might be Paul from Millfield. Is that you, Paul? Yeah, mate. Ooh. It is, yay! <laughs> Hello, Paul. How are you? Oh, fantastic. Lovely up here, about nearly 30 degrees up Wow, there. that's oh, incredible. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, mate. Um, Nellie Kelly. Yes. Passion fruit. Last year, I got nothing off it. It was the first year. Mm-hmm. Second year, it started to go with the way the climate's been pretty bad, you know, cold, mm-hmm. rain, all this sort of stuff. I thought, it's going off, but I put some potash in the ground. I put five and one yes. pellets. Yes, right. Watered that in. Mm-hmm. Now it's gone crazy. Good. Um, I'm getting a lot of um, passion fruits half ripe. Yes. And they're dropping off. Okay. Now, how can I bring them back? Can they 
Well, sometimes you may not. I mean, look, Millfield, of course, will get very, very cold during the winter months, and this will affect the passion fruit very, very badly. Look, certainly those people that have got passion fruit on, sometimes they will actually hold through the winter into spring where they will ripen fully. What I would suggest for you to do, Paul, is get yourself... There is a liquid potash that you can get. Now, this is what I mean by liquid is that you can dilute it with water and you can actually water it around the root system of your passion fruit. It just pushes a little bit of extra energy in into the passion fruit, particularly when you've got fruit on it. So if oh, you've got some... fruit on it. Okay, now, well, you need, you need to hold the fruit with this potash, and that's what I'm saying. The potash will actually help hold the fruit on the plant ready for next season. So if you can get hold of some of this liquid potash and you dilute this down with water and you water it around the root system every couple of weeks or, say, every three weeks, uh, just to push that little bit of extra energy into the plant to try and hold that fruit through into the spring months. I've got the powder. Powder potash is yep. not probably going to work as effectively. It works uh, just slowly, but it's not it's not designed the same as the liquid potash where you actually put it directly on the plant and it works straight away. The powder actually works gradually, so it's not going to do the same job at this time of the year for you. Certainly in spring, yeah, put the potash around the one you've got, but try and get hold of the liquid potash if you can. Okay, with all these ones that have fallen on the ground, is there any way of ripening them? Like I was told with like tomatoes, you put them in a paper bag... Yep. Look, certainly sometimes if they have a little bit of colour to them, oh, you, yeah. may, you may be able to just put them on a windowsill inside where they're behind glass. That may um, uh, certainly ripen that for you. There's only one way to, to try, and that, that is actually to put them there and see whether it does work. Yeah, um, yeah I'm thinking at least... Oh, 10 to 15 a day. Okay. All That's right. how many's on it, and yes. it's still growing. Yeah. There's flowers everywhere. Yes. Now, we'll see. It, it will stop eventually once our weather cools down. But for that fruit that's on there, try and you if you can save it with this liquid potash. Well, I'll go and get some of that today. Okay. All right. Thank thanks you, thanks you Paul. Much, David. Okay. Good on you, Paul. Right. Thank you for your call. Mel's with us now, and Mel's in Maitland, I think. Hello, Mel. Hello. How are you? Good. Thank you, Mel. What can I do for you? Well, I, I don't really have a problem. Okay, well, that's good. <laughs> but I'm really, really curious. I have a mulberry tree, mm-hmm. and um, it always gives me fruit in December. And this year it fruited in December, which wasn't really good because it was so, we had those really hot days. But it's just fruited again. I'm now actually picking ripe mulberries wow, again. Wow, that's incredible. And I, I told a friend who also has mulberry trees, and I said, oh, let's go and have a look at yours. And we've walked out the back, and his are like 100 years old, uh, absolutely loaded with fruit. Wow. And I was just wondering, <laughs> is anybody else... I'm really curious to know whether... So you're in the Maitland area, so yes, it will be very, very interesting to see whether anyone else rings us and lets us know that um, it's actually in fruit again. So, I mean, it bypassed the normal time for fruiting, obviously... Well, it did get fruit. Okay. They were dry. You know, yeah. we had that really hot weather. Yes. They were, wasn't really good. I would say possibly because of this weather that we're getting now, this unseasonal weather, that's probably why it's fruited again. And, of course, we've had so much rain, which, of course, mulberries absolutely love, because, yeah. and particularly coming into autumn. So that's perhaps why you've got a second crop. And that's tremendous because, I mean, oh, who'd ever think we would get mulberries this late in the season? And there's actually buds there for more leaves to <laughs> right. open. Right, okay. So. That may not eventuate because we're really creeping into autumn, so they, mm. they may not come out. But, no, that's great. We'll just keep listening, Mel, and see whether anyone I else will. rings. Yeah, I'd yeah. love to know if... 
thought to look to, because you wouldn't think to look at your tree at this time of year. Well, this time of the year you'd be expecting a lot of the, the leaves to go yellow, ready to fall off for the mm. autumn winter months. Well, that's great. Thanks for your call, Mel. Okay, thanks. Okay, bye bye. Bye. And joining us now in Corlett, we've got James. Hello, James. Hello, Dave. How are you? Good, thank you. Um, I think I've got um, fungus in my lawn. I've been putting some mang- mangazeb on it. Yes. Um, I'm going to put some more on if it doesn't rain within the next 24 hours. Mm-hmm. Um, what seems to be happening with the lawn, James? Well, it's going off dry in a lot of places. There's still, like, little dead grass underneath. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought it might have been the grub, but there's... there's no grubs little, around. There's, there's no grub little, around this um, year. Little moss around, but I don't think it's a grub, because the grub usually takes more off than... Yes. No, certainly we haven't had any lawn grubs around this season, because I don't think the weather has been warm enough now that it's cooling down, even though if the moths have been around and lay the eggs, those eggs could just lay dormant there until they get perfect conditions. Right. There has been a lot of uh, worm activity, and that pushes little mounds of soil up out of the ground. Some people may have had that problem. No, I haven't got that. But um, certainly if you feel it's a fungal disease... Continue with the mangazeb. You can actually use that every two weeks. Yeah. But as uh, we're getting... Also, sorry? When I'm using this, when can I put the sea salt on? You can do the sea salt three days after you've treated it with the mangazeb because okay, the, it only needs three days for that to start working yeah. and after that time you can put the sea salt on. I wouldn't go too far into the autumn with the mangazeb because if you've sprayed it, say, two or three times, that will be enough. That will actually yeah. cure the problem if you've got a fungal disease in the grass. Yeah, well, I'll do it the next two weeks and then... Okay. Uh, then I'll put the sea salt on. Sea salt on. Yeah, see, the sea salt will actually maintain that nice green effect throughout the winter months. Yeah, well, I've got that um, shade mask that goes purple now. Oh, yes, yes. We'll see whether the sea salt doesn't let it go purple for the winter months. Yeah, that's why I'm putting it on this time. All right, James. Thanks thanks very much, David. You're welcome. Bye-bye. It's Gardening Talk back today, 49216216. If you'd like to give us a call, we'd love to hear from you. A short break, and we're back chatting to you after this. It's Gardening Talk back this afternoon. David Peterson is here with your calls, 49216216. And I think we've got with us now from Ella Long Marie. Hello, David. Hello, Marie. How are you? I'm fine, and you? Good, thank you. That's good. Look, I want to transfer some, uh, transplant some roses from a garden bed into another garden bed. Yes. And I just want to know, do I cut them way back first, or when can I do it? Okay, does it have to be done now? No, it doesn't have to be done right now. Well, that's good to hear because the the time when we should be doing that is June, July, so we need to be right in the winter months when we cut back our roses. And, yes, you will have to cut them back as though you're cutting them back as we normally do every winter time. So once you've cut them back, and try and leave it, if you possibly can, Marie, until actually July, particularly in your area, because you will get fairly heavy frosts in that area. So you'd need to leave them well into July. So cut them way back and then dig them up, and they will move very successfully for you. Once you've put them into the new spot, make sure you water that in very, very well and then just give them a solution of sea salt if you possibly can and that will actually stimulate those roots to grow back again. But yeah, look, I mean, roses are great. They're very, very hardy. They can be moved quite successfully and you can be very brutal with them as well. So. Oh, lovely. <laughs> All right, David, thank you very much for your help. My pleasure. And off we go now to Raymond Terrace. I think it's uh, Christiane there. Hello? Christine. Christine. Okay, how are you, Christine? I'm, thank you, and yourself? Very well, thank you. What can um, I do for David, you? I'm back again with my avocado problems. Yes. Um, last year we pruned our avocado tree in about August. Mm-hmm. But when 
we came to spray, as you said, you, you need to spray while the flowers are on and all that, mm-hmm. which we did. But we lost every single thing. We lost every every flower, everything off that the big tree because, and I, I have no idea why. Mm-hmm. We have two little fruits on it, and that's all. The so, other so tree, which we didn't cut down quite as much. Has right. a lot of fruit on, but again, it's get it's getting pitted little brown pitted things and then they keep the, the fruit keeps dropping off the tree okay so when you sprayed the the actual flowers the flowers were out at the time when you sprayed them with the mancozeb yes okay then so the spray needs to get into them now the only reason why the flowers may have fallen off is once you've sprayed them we may have had some very hot winds or something like that that was the ground may have dried out around the actual root system and that in itself can cause the flowers to shrivel up as well and fall off so it always is very critical at this flowering stage that not only you spray the flowers but you actually keep the moisture up to around the root system as well because they need the moisture to continue producing the fruit so as i said it may have been a freak day that we may have had some hot westerly winds or something like that that may have actually just scorched those flowers and that's why they've all fallen off okay does it make any difference what time of the year we actually we actually cutting it because somebody else said to us maybe you cut the tree at the wrong time and that's why you you lost Yes, well, that, that shouldn't make a difference. I mean, the, the most important time that I would suggest to cut an avocado, particularly in your area, would be probably around September. We're just remembering by doing it in September, you're actually going to miss that season's fruit because they will flower fairly early. And, of course, you won't get the regrowth after you've pruned it anyway to get the flowers. So you may actually miss that season of fruiting. Uh, is there any reason why you need to cut it back year to year or...? Um, only because it's it's a huge tree, okay. and being you know these properties are not that big. Right, okay. it's just a huge, huge tree. It, well, there's three of them. One of them's not fruiting at all. Okay. One, the middle one is fruiting beautifully, but as I say, the fruit is just not not usable because it's got this little brown pits in it, and then mm-hmm. it just drops off the tree and okay. it rots. Well, look, certainly uh, not only do can you spray when it's in flowering stage, certainly throughout the, the cropping stage or the fruiting stage, you can actually spray it again with the mancozeb just to make sure you're not going to get that um, spotting, which is a fungal disease, in the actual fruit. Yeah, we have been spraying it a lot. I must admit the trees are a lot, lot better since we've been put mancozeb on. And Good. Since we put potash on the ground. Oh, very good, yes. Well, I mean, because that's going to help your flowering fruiting stage as well. Make sure you do that every spring. But just keeping that in mind that if you do prune it in early spring, you may not actually get a crop that season. So perhaps you can prune one one year and leave the other two and just do them um, year, year after year. Okay, thank you very much. Another thing, can, they, can we put some things, um, manure and that sort of thing around it? Because we've got natives below the, the avocados. Will it kill the natives? If you use something like cow manure, that won't be a problem, but certainly stay right away from poultry manure, but certainly just a little bit of cow manure around the ground won't hurt them at all. Okay, thank you very much indeed. You're welcome. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Goodbye. And David, a little extra to that. Tom uh, let us know from Weston, his mulberry tree has produced two crops in the last wow, three years. Wow, that's amazing. Two yes. crops in three years. That's an interesting one. Thank you for letting us know that, Tom. Let's continue with your calls on 49216216. And our next call is from Bolwara Heights. It's Graham. Hello, Graham. Hello, David. How are you? Good, thank you. A beautiful day. Oh, it's glorious, yes. yes. Um. I've got a mango tree yes. um, from down 
at Joy Nursery a few years, um, probably about three or four years ago now. Mm-hmm. And last year I thought it was going to go really well, you know. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, um, all of a sudden it started to die off, and I realised that there was ants attacking it. Right. Um, can and I've been putting potash and, and cow manure and plenty of mulch and that around it. Mm-hmm. Um, is there? Can you? Can you transplant it? Well, you can. Spot? You can transplant it if you really feel you need to, Graham. I mean, the, the best time to do that would be early spring. So it's just a little bit too early at the moment. We need to get over the winter months before we consider doing that. Yeah. So once we get into early spring, you can actually lift it quite successfully. Seeing as it hasn't been in the ground very long, it shouldn't be too difficult to do that. Move it to the new spot and then water that in, of course, with your sea salt. Now look. Is there any reason why you want to move it now that you've planted it, had it planted in this spot for three yeah, years? Yeah, well, it's, it's a bad area where okay. it's got ants and that. Yep. All right. And I noticed that they were really attacking it last year. It was going really well, and then all of a sudden it, you could see it dying off. Yeah, so now tell me, the ants, they're not, are they in the root system or are they up into the tree as well? They're going up in the tree as well. Okay, sometimes you'll find if the ants actually go up into the tree, it may have a problem as well as the ants. It may have a disease on it. Sometimes if you've got some scale on your plant, the ants are actually carrying the scale onto the plant because they like what the scale is actually doing. They create sap to come out of the plant, and that's why the ants are there as well. So they work together. So that's probably something else you need to look at as well. In case there's a disease on the plant, it will look like little bumps all over the stems or on the leaves. And if that is the case, Graham, you need to get yourself some anti-scale to get that under control as well. Anti-scale? Yes. Oh, yeah, well, I might try that first. All right, so leave it till spring to move it. Check it yeah. for the scale and see whether that may be a problem. But then you may not have to move it if it is the scale because the answer may be there only because of the scale. All right, I think. All right. Yeah. Thanks very much, David. You're welcome, Graham. Yeah. Bye. It's Bye. Gardening Talkback. If you'd like to give us a call, 49216216 is the phone number. We'll come back in just a moment and hear from Cheryl, who's waiting for us in Largs. Well, if it's a Monday afternoon and it's a quarter to one, you know it's got to be Gardening Talkback. David Peterson's here right through until 1.30 today taking your calls. Let's continue with those now. Joining us from Largs, it's Cheryl. Hello, Cheryl. Hi, David. How are you going? Well, thank you. That's good. Listen, we've got a curl grub in the lawn, mm-hmm. and it's in my rose garden too, and we have used a powder mm-hmm. we got from the nursery, but it hasn't. I don't know the name of it, can't remember, and it hasn't done anything. So when you say it hasn't done anything, what are you expecting to see the curl grubs come out of the ground, or you've dug down and they're still crawling? Well, I, dig me, I have done my rose garden. Mm-hmm. And I have got heaps out of that. Yes, okay. Uh, so, and, um, yes. just wanted to sort of another way of doing okay. it, maybe. Look, certainly, there are a couple of other things you can use. There, the one, there's another product called Conquer. And the other one is called Confidor. They're the two that are recommended for curl grubs. Just remembering when you do use either of these two products, or anything for that matter, that the curl grubs won't come up out of the ground. They'll actually probably die underneath the ground. Yeah. Also remembering that the curl grubs will not do any damage during the winter months when the ground is very cold. They actually go into their dormant period or their sleep mode, so they do not do any damage. It's only whilst the ground is warm that they will actually nibble at the root system. So, as I said, once we move right into autumn, the curl grubs will not do any damage whatsoever. And, as far as I know, the the actual chemical will not do anything to the curl grubs, so it's probably wise not to waste the chemical, particularly when we've gone right into the colder months. 
Oh, right. Okay, okay then. Still, yes, that. still at the moment, it still is warm. The ground is reasonably warm, mm. so I would still continue to use the uh, product. But certainly once we get in probably another month, I would say don't use any more products throughout the winter months. Wait until the ground starts to warm up again. Look, we will never get rid of curl grub, but at least we can try and keep them under control somewhat. Okay, then. <laughs> Okay, then, David, thank you. My pleasure, Cheryl. Okay, bye. bye. And joining us right now is Beverly from Kerry Bay. Hello, Beverly. Hello, David. Um, we live on the edge of a creek, yes. and because of the high tides, our lawn will not dry out at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think it's the... We seem to have a lot of earthworms there because of the birds are always on that side of the lawn. Yes. And can we shift the, the earthworms over or... Give them a lime or something? Yes, look, certainly you can. That's all you need to do if you've got a lot of earthworms, which is, of course, very, very good for the ground. We, they are beneficial. Uh, but certainly if you feel you want to move them, just sprinkle some garden lime over the lawn. That will actually shift them to another spot. It doesn't affect the worms, by the way. It just right. moves them. It just moves them to another spot. They just don't particularly like the lime, so they'll just move to another spot that hasn't had the lime used on it. Oh, good. And what about the slaters in the compost? Are they a nuisance? Or they're not a nuisance because ba- basically slaters work through dead and rotten material, so they're actually, once again, beneficial for the compost. There shouldn't be any reason why they're going to cause any problems. Oh, right. <laughs> okay, then. Thanks for your help. You're welcome. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. We love hearing from you. 49216216 is the phone number. If you'd like to go to the phone right now, we'll get you on the air, and you'll be on there between now and one thirty. We're just waiting to see if someone wants to call through. How's that? Got a bit of a break on there at the moment. So what would you like to talk about? We're getting towards the end of the month. We are. What do we need to do? Is there anything we need to do? Well, look, certainly, as I said earlier, I mean, things are still growing. If you need to do a little bit of trimming in the garden, certainly do that. If there's a bit of weed spraying in the garden, certainly you can do that. I mean, it's still warm enough, particularly days like today. I certainly have someone back at work doing some weed spraying Mm. today because it's still warm. Remembering when we've got the sun out, this actually activates the chemical to work a little faster. We should never use any form of weed sprays on really overcast or cold or windy days. Try and use them on good sunny days because that, as I said, activates the chemical to work a little faster. Uh, certainly, it's still not too late to liquid feed. As I keep saying, you need to liquid feed all the way into the winter months. Good little trick is for the lawn just to spray your lawn with some sea salt because remembering that will keep the lawn nice and green all the way through the winter months. Try not to use one of your complete fertilizers on the lawn because it won't work as effectively because it won't promote the root system because the root system really slows down this time of the year so as i said just spraying it with some sea salt really does keep the lawn nice and green all the way through the winter months and you need to do that so probably once every two or three weeks you need to do that and as i said that will keep the lawn looking good and really really interesting too because we had this caller earlier about the buffalo lawn going red which of course buffalo does it really Interesting to see whether this does actually stop the reddening from happening throughout the winter months. We'll go back to the phone, 49216216. I think you may whether it's Janet. Hello. Hi. Hello, Hi, Janet. Um, just, I heard you earlier about the, the curl grub yes. in, the, in the garden, and we've got a new garden that we just had done last year. And it, recently, about the last month, it's come up with these little mounds of dirt on top of the bark chips. Mm-hmm. And we're wondering if that's something sinister. No, it's probably just earthworms. Oh, that's what I was hoping. That, yeah, <laughs> See, curl grabs, yeah. 
curl grubs do not push any soil up out of the ground. They work underneath the ground, so you never know that they're there until something suddenly dies on you. Uh, whereas earthworms in, in autumn and in spring, they are very active in the ground. It's their breeding time. So therefore, they, they push soil up out of the ground to make more room for themselves. So that's all it is. It's just earthworms. Oh, they will actually just, <laughs> they will actually <laughs> calm down once we get into the cooler months of winter. Okay. Great. We'll celebrate now. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Janet. Thank you. Bye bye. And we say hello to Marilyn. Hello, Marilyn. Hello, David. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Good. Uh, now, I have a lilac that's flowering. Congratulations. <laughs> well, it is congratulations. It's the first time it's done it. Oh, um, in how long? Oh, five or more years. <laughs> and, and then that was transplanted then. But um, they're not real good, unfortunately, probably because of the heat. Yes. But would I cut it back for uh, after it's flowered or not, you know, this time, ready for next winter or spring rather? Well look certainly if you need to cut it back I would say cut it back lightly but if there's no need to cut it back certainly just cut the old flower heads off that's all I probably would do um, but yes I mean as I said lilacs we don't really talk about lilacs much these days because I mean I haven't sold lilacs for years but yes. um, you still get someone occasionally asking for them because they require cold conditions and the only way sometimes you will get them to flower is if you um, trick them with some ice cubes, the old ice cubes method of throwing ice cubes around them every so often tricking them into thinking that that's actual snow that's melting around their root system and sometimes this does create them to flower so have you done any of those tricks or it's just no, flowered no, so it, it's, it, the weather's all wrong oh i know i know i know <laughs> tell me about it <laughs> the only thing it's been is when yeah, rather Saturday when it was cold. <laughs> oh, yes. So tell me, it's only flowering now. Is that what you're yes. telling me? Like, yes. just, which is weird in itself because, I yes. mean, they would normally flower in our spring months after the winter. Yes. So it's really quite weird that it's flowering now. So as I said, um, congratulations for that. <laughs> also, I have a, a query about blood and bone. Yes. Uh, now, I was reading up but on some packets and things. The, it's not all blood and bone. It's a different percentage, and different brands have different percentages. That's correct, yes. Um, and uh, and even, uh, even the last time I looked, I think there was only one packet, that, and that was a black packet that had uh, its percentage, mm -hmm. and it was 90%, and it was a whole lot dearer yes. than the others. You'll always find that it'll be dearer when there's more blood and bone in it, but yes, unfortunately, a lot of blood and bone does contain fillers. What would they be? I have no idea unless it's actually specified on the packet, unfortunately, Marilyn. All right, Marilyn. Thank you for your call there today. We are taking your calls on 49216216. We've got the very latest in local news coming up soon from the Hunter Newsroom. Sitting right here, taking your calls on 49216216. David, what a great prize we have up for grabs for those who call through. Everyone's in the running for this. Yes, we do. And as I said earlier, this is one of my favourite plants that uh, should be in every garden. It's the perennial status. It actually has a beautiful mauvey blue flower with a white tip to it. Great plant for conditions of neglect because it grows anywhere at all in the garden. As long as it's sunny, it grows anywhere. I remember having it growing in a garden that probably 
wouldn't get watered from week to week and it still survived, still flowered. And look, it flowers 12 months of the year, so it's called perennial status. As well as that, a bottle of the Harvest. This is the concentrated fertiliser that we dilute down and use on everything. And, of course, a container of the Aquamagic. And if our weather keeps up the way it is, we will need some of this Aquamagic. These are the water-storing crystals as well. All right. Yes, everybody who goes through goes into the running for that. We'll announce that around about uh, probably 25, 28 minutes past one this afternoon. Time for your calls right now, 49216216. And joining us from Belmont to say hello to you, David, is Barbara. Hello, Barbara. Hello, David. I've just got a couple of questions I'd like to ask. Mm -hmm. Um, I've got some scavolia growing in the garden. Can you prune that? You can trim it, but not prune it heavily. This is a native, so therefore you cannot prune it too heavily. But certainly if you just trim it back, say only around about the very, very most, I wouldn't go any more than six inches back. So that's just a light trim that you'll be giving it. And... What would you feed it with, just native? Yeah, you can feed it with just a native fertiliser or any of your pelleted manure fertilisers also could be used on it quite successfully because most of those are organic, so they will not burn the plants. And the little shoots that they throw down, can you transplant them? Uh, In time, yeah, you certainly can, but you would wait until springtime to dig some of those Uh, up and replant them out. Try not to do it at this time of the year because they may not take because we're going into the winter months. And the other question I'd like to ask, eggplant. Mm-hmm. Um, my eggplant at the moment, I don't know if it, they're finished, but some of them are going sort of a brown in colour and splitting. Right. Okay, normally when they go a browny colour and they split, normally that's just through a change of conditions that we're having. Uh, if they've oh. got brown just on the very base of the eggplant, that's just uh-huh. something called blossom end rot, and it's caused by a calcium deficiency. So now look, certainly eggplants, depending on where you've got them, they may go into the winter months for you, but if they're in a fairly exposed position, they probably won't last into the winter at all. Ah, uh, okay. Okay. Thank you very much. Thanks, for that. Barbara. And let's say hello to David. He's waiting for us at Thornton. Hello, David. How are you? Good, um, thank yeah, you. David, um, I've got an orange tree. It's about five years old. Uh, for the first couple of years, it, it bared a lot of fruit. Probably, it's only a miniature orange tree, uh, probably 30, 40 oranges. But the last two years, it doesn't seem to have anything wrong with it, but it hasn't bared any fruit. Okay. Look, certainly uh, with citrus trees, depending on whether you're growing them in pots or in the ground, you still need to feed them fairly heavily because they are heavy feeders. So, I mean, certainly you can feed them now to push them through the winter months because often they flower very, very early spring, so we don't often get in and feed them before then. So if you can throw some citrus fertiliser around them at the moment, David, and also feed them some potash. Now, potash in the granulated form this time we're mentioning because we have mentioned the liquid form earlier in the program. So a granulated potash as well as a citrus fertiliser placed around underneath them. Water that in very thoroughly and that should actually help the the, the crop that you'll get at the late winter, early spring period when they start to flower again. Okay, thanks for your time. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Okay, 49216216. That's the phone number to get through on Gardening Talk. Back, give us a call. We'll come back and chat to you after this.
seven sixteen past one. Gardening talk back today. Now this is one I've got to talk to you about. We got a message through David Sue mm-hmm. from Valentine. She has red raised bites on her from the other day after being in the garden. She did not feel the bite while she was in the garden, and she says it appeared the next day and had happened a few times. Do you know what the the bite might be, or is any of our listeners? Do you think they might know if they could call through? So, okay. Raised red bites. Yes. Yeah. Now look, certainly um, this brings up. I mean, there's certain things that some people are allergic to. I know that if I get, um, and as I've probably mentioned on the program before, if I get saphophycus on my skin, I will come up in red lumps as well on my Mm. skin. Even though there only may be a minute little bit of uh, sap, I will come up in welts on my skin. So I'm allergic to the sap out of any of the ficus trees, as some people may be as well. Grevilleas are another one. That's another one that a lot of people are allergic to because some of the grevilleas are fairly spiky and you only need to get go near the grevilleas and you will come up in welts. And also something else that comes to mind is too, a lot of the pollens that people have in grass, uh, a lot of people are allergic to as well because I remember just um, Di mentioning a little earlier that uh, about her grandchild was rolling in the grass and she came in with welts and this is this can happen because of the pollen that's in some of the grasses as well so there are some things that some people are allergic to and perhaps this is what may have happened that you may have gone next to a bush that perhaps you may have not gone to before or perhaps it's only a new one and you've just rubbed against it and this will cause welts very easily. Okay we hope that helps you out there maybe uh, some of our listeners might call through and say uh, they might know about it too. Mm. Now we're going to our listeners right now Joanne's with us from Killabin Bay. Hello Joanne. Hello, David. How are you? Good, thank you. I planted a tahini lime about last November. Yes. It's growing, but it's only growing thorns. Pardon? (laughs) It's only growing thorns. There's no leaves. Okay. That that were under those that were originally there. (laughs) So has it shot from fairly low down on the trunk somewhere and and just a branch has come up and and this is the one that contains all the thorns? No. Okay. This is the thorns coming from the top and they've grown probably about 15, 20 centimetres since I've put it in. Okay. But it's only thorns. Yes, well, that's most unusual. I'd, I'd really like to see a picture or a sample of this, whether you can try and get it to me so that I can have a look at it, mm-hmm. uh, because that, it's most unusual to just be growing thorns without leaves. There's nothing that's been signs of munching leaves off or there's just have been no leaves at all. There was... Um, some mites. You know they leave like a snail trail? Oh yes, the the, um, the citrus leaf miner, yes. Yeah, so I spray that with white oil yes. and um, those leaves are still looking pretty yucky okay. but I left them on. Right. Um, and then after that, the next growth was the thorn. Yeah. Now look, can you take a picture of that and, mm-hmm. and try and send it to me at work, uh, which I can, I can, you can actually ring work and get my email address if you don't mind doing that. Sure. Um, and that way you can just email it to me and I can have a look at it online and see whether I can see what the problem may be. That'll be fantastic. All right. Thanks, Barbara. Thanks, David. Bye. Bye. What about Barbara at Head oh, and Greeter? How are you, Barbara? <laughs> it's Barbara now. Hello, Barbara. I'm well, thank you. How are you? <laughs> Getting mixed up with my ladies here. <laughs> That's all right, David. David, we're having trouble with grevilleas. Yes. Uh, both the neighbour and I, his was a honey gem and beautiful tree, and all of a sudden it started to look sad, mm-hmm. and it died in about 10 days, and... Now, my honey gem has done the same thing. And the, it gets the new shoots on the leaves, but then they just die. Okay. They, they, instead of 
going further. They just don't. All right. Now, of course, with Honey Gem being the largest out of all the grevilleas, it will grow the quickest and it will become the biggest. The only thing is with grevilleas, particularly when we've had so much water or rain, if the ground becomes wet and the ground may contain a bit of clay that holds the moisture, and if the root system has grown into the clay and then all of a sudden we get this downpour of rain and the clay becomes too wet, it drowns the root system. I find this happen quite often with grevilleas because they don't like wet ground. They like to be in fairly dry soil all the time. So, therefore, as I said, if the ground has become too wet, the grevillea overnight basically will just curl up its toes and it will go very brown and just lose all its foliage to completely nothing. So perhaps this is what may have happened. It may have been in heavy ground whilst it's been a little bit on the dry side. Then all of a sudden we've had all this rain and it's just become waterlogged and it just curls up, you know, overnight virtually. We're in a clay area. Okay. So the only thing to do there, it would probably be fairly easy to take out because it's in clay soil. Mm. You can probably work on the ground a little more so and then pop another grevillea in. But that's the only thing. You may continually have this problem with grevilleas. Mm. There's just up from it, I have another one, which is a, a cream, mm-hmm. and it must be about 10 or 12 feet high now. Yes, that's and, called moon, Moonlight, yes. And it's absolutely beautiful yes. well, at just, the moment. Just <laughs> watch it, yes, I was just going to say, just watch it. But certainly what you could do, Barbara, is there's, there's a product on the market that's called um, Clay Breaker, or uh, sorry, Ground Breaker. Yes, yes I and, have used that. Okay, just keep using that, because the more you get into the ground, of course, the more it's going to break down the clay for you. Thank you very much. My you have pleasure. a lovely afternoon. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. It's 49216216 for Gardening Talkback, right through to one thirty today, now 21 past 1, and we're joined from Valentine by Brian. Hello, Brian. G'day, David. How are you? Good, thank you. That's good. Just a question for you. Mm. Passion fruit. I'm about to invest, shall I say, or right. put one in. Yes. Um, best type? Well, look, certainly there, there are a th- there's three different ones you can get now. There's the normal black passion fruit, mm-hmm. um, which is sometimes just called Norfolk Island or some people call it Nelly Kelly. Uh, there's the red and the gold Panamas. Now, these are a little bit larger in size of the, the passion fruit, uh, but certainly my pick out of all of the passion fruit still has to be the black passion fruit. Try and just stick with your seedling ones because I'm finding a lot of people are having trouble with grafted passion fruit these days because of all the suckers that appear all over the garden. So just stay with your seedling. Make sure it's a yeah. nice sunny spot, Brian. Uh, where that's the next one. Yes, yeah. where it's, it's, it needs the sun preferably at least half a day, if not more, uh, and it will survive very, very easily for you. All right. Now, what about in a pot? No. No? No. Preferably in the ground because in a pot you'll find it will become restricted eventually and you'll just decrease with the fruit and of course it will tend to look very sad. So if you can find a spot in your garden somewhere, uh, it would be better in the ground. Now, this one, the black passion fruit, is it a uh, a rambling one, like out of control type thing? Or? All passion fruited like that. They will always ramble and always get out of control. So it's up to the individual to keep it under control. Certainly is, yes. All right, David, thank you for your time. You're welcome, Brian. Bye now. Thank you. It's Gardening Talkback 49216216 at 2NURFM 103.7. Easy listening to and you are FM 103.7. It's Gardening Talkback 49216216. Let's go back to your calls right now. And waiting patiently for us at Tanilba Bay is Julia. Hello, Julia. How are you there, Julia? Oh, hello. How are you, Dave? Good, thank you. Good. Uh, just a, a question. I have a, a mandevillea. Yes. It's an Alice DuPont. Mm-hmm. And it's grown quite tall and spindly. It's about six foot tall. Someone gave it to me. And I 
don't know whether I can I cut that back. You certainly can. You can cut it back. I mean, but the time to do that would be springtime. So once right. we get over the winter months, because sometimes during the winter we'll tend to look a little bit untidy because it yes. doesn't like the cold weather. Yes. Uh, but in the springtime, you'll start to see it regrowing for the season. And when you see the regrowth, that's the time to give it a bit of a prune back. Oh. So you can cut it back quite severely if you need to, and it will reshoot very, very fast for you. Beautiful plant because it just never stops flowering. Yes, that's mm. yeah. Well, the, all the flowers are finished on yes. at the moment, but because uh, some plants you you can't cut back. That's so right. Yes. Now, certainly with the Alice Dupont, you can actually cut them back in the early spring once you see that new growth appearing. Okay, thank you. And another question: uh, My roses, I have some standard um, iceberg roses. Yes. And I'm having a, problems with some black spot. Mm-hmm. I have been spraying it with the rose, um, the um. You know, the rose yes, yes, yes. Um, and it just keeps appearing. Okay. Well, look, certainly at this time of the year, I wouldn't be overly concerned about the black spot because we'll be nearly ready to prune them back for the winter months. Uh-huh. But, but, but certainly the, you're doing exactly the, the correct thing. I mean, you've got to spray them regularly with your black spot spray to prevent the black spot. Once you've got it, it's a matter of being a little more particular and taking all the black spot leaves off and collecting all the leaves around underneath it and can still continue spraying with the black spot spray. But if we can try and get in nice and early after we've pruned our roses when you start to see the growth don't hesitate but start spraying straight away to prevent the black spot from appearing yeah i have a, quite a lot of um new growth coming on and i've been okay I've taken all the, the black spot leaves off all right okay now we'll set spraying the new stuff coming that's good through. that's exactly what you need to do and you may actually get another uh boost of flowering just before we need to prune them back in july so certainly still just continue using that spray that you've got and our last call of the day right now comes from Bulbora. It is Louise. Hello, Louise. Hi, David. How are you going? Good, thank you. Um, David, I've got a couple of um, Rabinia mop tops yes. on my footpath, and I usually put, um, prune them um, when they lose their leaves in the middle of winter, mm. but they're extremely large. Can I um, prune them now? Well, look, certainly wintertime is the better time to prune them back because you can see the branches much better, so you can actually cut them back into a much better shape easily. If you want to cut them back now, it's not going to be a great problem to do that if, if that's what you want, but certainly the better time is when they completely lose all their foliage so you right. can actually see the frame of the mop top. All right, okay. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. There we go, another busy Monday afternoon, David. Yes, it is, yes. I've got a page full of names once again. We need so. one. We do, and I've got that name ready, but just before we do, we'll just go through the yes, prize again, which is the status. This is the perennial status, which comes out in these beautiful mauve flowers, as well as a container of the harvest. This is the liquid fertilizer concentrate, as well as a bucket of the aqua magic water crystals. Now, I'm going to give it to Graham of Bulwara today, because I know Graham has rung us a few times over the last 12 months. So, Graham, you're the winner for the prize this, this week. All you need to do is try and make your way down to Walls End Community Nursery. That's on the corner of Crowders and Lake Road Walls. And try and get in before next Monday's program where I will have a brand new gift to give away. Lovely. We've done well and we will look forward to next Monday. You'll be back from midday till 1.30. Thank you for that, David. Thank you, Dave. And good gardening, everyone. That's Gardening Talkback. That's David Peterson here at 2NURFM. And coming up soon, easy listening favourites with John Slavin.